This hearing will come to order. Uh, as we sit here, Putin's forces continue to fire missiles at innocent Ukrainians. His generals continue to bombard cities, and his soldiers are committing war crimes. And still, brave Ukrainians are fighting back, proving time and again that Putin gravely miscalculated the resolve of the Ukrainian people. He also grossly miscalculated how the rest of the world would respond to his brutal, unprovoked aggression. The United States, the overwhelming majority of Europe, and indeed of the entire free world are now more united in support of not just Ukraine, but of our collective resolve to support democracies, the rule of law, and defend against brazen authoritarian aggression. Indeed, the very values that drove the foundation of the North Atlantic Treaty Organization in the first place. Perhaps more than ever, it is crystal clear that NATO plays a vital role, not only in the security of the United States, but as a bulwark protecting peace and democracy. And I feel confident when I say both the ranking member and I believe carefully considering new candidates for NATO expansion is one of the most important responsibilities this committee has. So today we will learn more about Finland and Sweden's candidacies for NATO membership. These are two steadfast NATO and U.S. allies with strong, durable military institutions and democratic institutions. They have every reason to participate in collective defense against Russian aggression. And NATO has every reason to embrace and welcome them into the alliance without delay. In many ways, Finland and Sweden are ideal candidates for NATO membership. NATO is a defensive military alliance designed to preserve in part by holding members to high democratic governance and economic transparency standards. Indeed, further to that point, democratic processes in both countries have shown that the Finnish and Swedish people themselves are strongly supportive of joining NATO. So while NATO has not yet formally prepared the accession protocols for Finland and Sweden, we expect it will very soon. There is tremendous urgency and a strong case for inviting these countries. Expansion of NATO requires unanimous agreement by all NATO member states, of course. And with time of the essence, the 11th hour concerns by Turkey standing in the way of this process only serve Putin's interests. In the meantime, and as members prepare to meet next week in Madrid, it is imperative that we press ahead with our own approval process, which is why we are having this hearing today. This may very well be one of the most important decisions this committee and this Senate makes in the decade and beyond as it relates to foreign policy. Finland and Sweden are well positioned to integrate into NATO. Both have large, technologically advanced and growing militaries. They have long partnered with NATO and have contributed to NATO-led operations in the Balkans, Afghanistan, and Iraq. Since Russia's unprovoked invasion of Ukraine, they have strengthened their relations with NATO even further, engaging in regular dialogue and consultations, exchanging information, and coordinating training and exercises. In fact, given geography and history, Finland and Sweden have long equipped their militaries and prepared their societies for the prospect of Russian aggression. Their participation in NATO would actively contribute to burden sharing with the United States and the whole military alliance. Belonging to NATO is not just a measurement of military capability. We were established as a club of democracies that abide by a certain set of principles. 
all U.S. administrations have used certain criteria for assessing candidates for NATO membership, a functioning democratic political system based on a market economy, fair treatment of minority populations, a commitment to resolve conflicts peacefully, an ability and willingness to make military contributions to NATO operations, and a commitment to democratic civil military relations. So I would like our witnesses to address how Finland and Sweden fulfill these criteria. The required information the departments have already provided give me great confidence, but I believe it's important to address them in an open setting. We thank Sweden and Finland for their partnership and support. Look forward to welcoming you into NATO. With that, I welcome Assistant Secretary of State for European Affairs, Karen Donfried, and Assistant Secretary of Defense for International Security Affairs, Celeste Wallander. And finally, it's my great pleasure to welcome Ambassadors Karin Ofelstadter from Sweden and Miko Haltala, is that the right pronunciation? All right, uh, from Finland here today for these hearings. We appreciate both ambassadors being here with us. Probably the first outside guest that we have had, so couldn't think of a better guest to have for a better cause and a better moment. With that, let me turn to the distinguished ranking member his remarks. Well, thank you very much, uh, Mr. Chairman. Welcome, Assistant Secretaries. We're glad to have you here to discuss this important subject. And uh, welcome to both of you, ambassadors. And I want to thank you personally uh, for spending the time, both of you and uh, other officials from your countries, about discuss and discussing these important issues. The ambassador from Finland and I were early to the party, having met on this uh, long before the invasion occurred, uh, but with uh, obvious uh, view towards this day might come. Uh, with that, let me say also that uh, the chairman and I have discussed this matter at length uh, between ourselves, and there is no daylight between us as, our, as to our view of this matter either. Uh, about four months ago, Russia's invasion of Ukraine sent a seismic shock to the transatlantic community, and it made it abundantly clear that the assumptions many had made about security in the 21st century were false, uh, or at least misperceived, and forced us to reconsider how we will restore peace and preserve it. Our immediate response has been strong, but there's no doubt NATO needs serious updates and reforms if we hope to face these emerging challenges over the long term. And it is going to be a long term, obviously. One of these proposed changes is the enlargement of our alliance to include Finland and Sweden. In this hearing today, I look forward to a deep and thorough discussion of Finland and Sweden's potential accession to NATO. Any country that meets the requirements like Sweden and Finland should be able to join if they want. Sweden and Finland uh, both have strong democracies and capable militaries uh, that will contribute immediately to NATO. Through their participation in multiple joint combat operations, they have both proven their willingness and their ability to fight alongside NATO allies. And through multiple NATO partnerships programs, they have proven their commitment to NATO's goals and developed highly interoperable NATO standard forces. So let us also be clear, Sweden and Finland in particular have been guarding NATO's north, uh, high north for decades. They have been doing the mission of NATO from the outside. This has been an asset to NATO and transatlantic security. It's fair that they be allowed to finally sit at the table with everyone else. With this hearing, the Senate will take its first official step in consider considering this next wave of NATO enlargement. 
Throughout this entire process, we must remember to take the utmost care as we examine the details and implications of this decision. In my mind, both countries have fully demonstrated their worthiness to join NATO and the value they each will bring to it. But we cannot leave any room for doubt about their place and commitment in our, uh, in our alliance. I also want to reiterate my expectation that once the North Atlantic Council agrees and sends out the accession protocols, that the Biden administration will swiftly prepare the final reports and submit everything uh, to the Senate quickly so we can begin our consideration. Uh, in closing, let me say, raising the, uh, uh, addressing the issue that the chairman also uh, raised regarding Turkey's remarks about not uh, being in favor of accession at this time, uh, we're told and, and assured by both Sweden and, uh, and Finland that they have been uh, in good faith involved with Turkey uh, in discussions to resolve that. Uh, I think that's best left to them uh, between they and Turkey without us at this point in time. But let there be no mistake, this must be done. This is so important. It must be done. So with that, Mr. Chairman, I yield back. Thank you. Thank you, Senator Risch. So we'll start with our witnesses. Uh, both of your statements will be included fully in the record without objection. Uh, Secretary Donfried, we'll start with you. We'd ask you to summarize both in about five minutes or so so that we can have a conversation with you and uh, the floor is yours. Thank you so much. Chairman Menendez, Ranking Member Risch, distinguished members of the committee. Thank you for the opportunity to appear before you today to discuss the critical role NATO plays in our security and the safeguarding of our freedom and democratic values, and Finland and Sweden's future place in the alliance. I welcome the opportunity to share with you today why the administration strongly and unequivocally supports Finland and Sweden membership in NATO. We strongly support NATO's open door policy and firmly believe that these two countries' membership in the alliance would benefit the national security of the United States and strengthen the collective defense of NATO and the broader security of the Euro-Atlantic region. As President Biden said when he welcomed Finnish President Ninisto and Swedish Prime Minister Andersson to the White House last month, we are proud to offer, quote, the strong support of the United States for the applications of two great democracies and two close, highly capable partners to join the strongest, most powerful defensive alliance in the history of the world, end quote. Likewise, I want to thank the more than 80 senators who signaled their full support for Sweden and Finland's applications for NATO membership in a letter to the president as well as the bipartisan Senate Resolution 646 in support of their NATO accession. This provided yet another endorsement for these two strong and capable democracies. The administration has provided reports to Congress on Finland and Sweden's accession as called for in the Senate's resolution of ratification of the NATO accession protocols for Poland, Hungary, and the Czech Republic. Russia's unprovoked February 24 full-scale invasion of Ukraine caused a seismic change in both Swedish and Finnish public support for NATO membership. Each country carried out inclusive and thorough democratic processes leading to the decision to apply for NATO membership. In an historic foreign and security policy shift, Finland and Sweden together officially applied for NATO membership on May 18. 
Since its inception, NATO's goal is to achieve a lasting peace in the North Atlantic area through collective security based on the common values of democracy, the rule of law, and individual liberty. As advanced democracies that uphold the rule of law and world leaders in protecting and promoting global human rights, Finland and Sweden would strengthen NATO as an alliance of values and expand the circle of North American and European democracies committed to defending each other. The United States has close bilateral defense relationships with both Finland and Sweden and has built robust cooperation and interoperability with these two countries through exercises and presence in the Baltic Sea region and elsewhere. In addition, Finland and Sweden both are already active in NATO political dialogues, exercises, and operations, and are highly interoperable with NATO. Since Russia's further invasion of Ukraine in February, Finland and Sweden have drawn even closer through enhanced political dialogue and sharing of information with the alliance. The two countries began cooperating with NATO in 1994 through the Partnership for Peace program. In 2014, Finland and Sweden were granted Enhanced Opportunities Partner status, which affords partners the closest level of cooperation short of being a member. Sweden has participated in NATO missions since 1995, including in Afghanistan, Iraq, Kosovo, and Libya, shares cyber defense information, is home to a world-class defense industry, and is steadily increasing defense spending with a stated goal of reaching 2% of GDP as soon as possible. Finland has contributed to NATO missions in Afghanistan, Bosnia and Herzegovina, Iraq, and Kosovo, and will spend 2.16% of its GDP on defense in 2022. In 2026, Finland will receive the first of its 65 F-35As from its $12 billion deal, the largest national procurement in Finland's history, and one that will give Finland a significant military capability, increase interoperability with the United States and other NATO allies, and have a positive economic impact on both the U.S. and Finnish economies. Both countries will enhance NATO's situational awareness and capabilities in the high north. In short, I concur with what you both and many other senators have said already. NATO enlargement that includes Finland and Sweden would further bolster the alliance. They would be net providers of security to NATO and would enhance the national security interests of the United States. Turkey has raised concerns about some of Finland and Sweden's policies in advance of NATO accession. We recognize Turkey's legitimate concerns regarding terrorism, which NATO Secretary General Stoltenberg has also highlighted. We continue to encourage Stockholm, Ankara, and Helsinki to work together to find a path forward that addresses the security concerns of all allies and urge the alliance to reach consensus on the accession process in an expeditious manner. We are confident Sweden and Finland would be net contributors to the alliance and their membership will bolster the security of every NATO member. Thank you so much. Thank you, Secretary Wallander. It's automatic. You're good. It's automatic. It's, it's on. All right. I, all right. Chairman Menendez, Ranking Member Risch, and members of the committee. It's an honor to appear before you today alongside Assistant Secretary Donfried to express the Department of Defense's unwavering support for NATO membership for the Republic of Finland and the Kingdom of Sweden. Thank you for holding this important hearing. 
This historic moment builds on the positive relationship that the Department of Defense enjoys with ministries of defense and armed forces of both Finland and Sweden. DOD strongly assesses that the membership of both Sweden and Finland would be an asset to the North Atlantic Treaty as a values-based organization for defense and security. Both countries maintain a high degree of interoperability and cooperation with NATO and are capable military partners whose values align closely with that of the United States. A few key points on each of these NATO aspirants. On Finland, general conscription, a well-manned and trained reserve, and a strong will to defend the country are the foundations of Finland's defense. Finland's location on the Baltic Sea, diplomatic experience with Russia, and advanced capabilities make it an asset to the alliance. Finland spends more than 2% of its GDP on defense and possesses unique military capabilities and expertise, particularly operating in the Arctic environment. As a democracy and market economy, Finland's foreign policy is underpinned, underpinned by a commitment to and the promotion of democracy, individual freedom, and rule of law. Finland is a modern, highly industrialized democratic country with one of the highest standards of living in the world. The country has a well-educated and media-savvy population, making its citizenry and institutions resilient to misinformation and malign influence while serving as a model to others. In particular, Finland would augment NATO's capacity to defend critical infrastructure, operate in the cyber domain, and strengthen individual and collective resilience. Finland first participated in a NATO-led operation in 1996 and became a NATO Enhanced Opportunities Partner in 2014. It has contributed to or otherwise supported NATO missions in Afghanistan, Bosnia and Herzegovina, Iraq, and Kosovo. The Finnish Defense Forces comprise a total active and reserve force end strength of 280,000 with an additional 900,000 trained individuals available for military service. Unlike many other European countries, Finland has maintained a general conscription model for defense. This allows Finland to rapidly call up its reserve force when needed at a lower overall training cost. On Sweden, Sweden Swedish accession to NATO would further the principles of the North Atlantic Treaty by combining a first-rate and rapidly growing military with a principled foreign policy that ardently defends democracy and human rights. Sweden is both a highly capable military partner and home to a world-class defense industry. Its military expertise in the Arctic and undersea environments would substantially advance alliance capabilities. Sweden already maintains a high degree of interoperability and cooperation with NATO, having become a NATO Partnership for Peace member in 1994 and a NATO Enhanced Opportunities Partner in 2014. Sweden has contributed to or supported NATO missions in Afghanistan, Bosnia and Herzegovina, Iraq, Kosovo, and Libya. Swedish, Sweden's membership in NATO will strengthen the security of the Baltic Sea region which remains an active area for Russian military activity and accelerate regional maritime and air domain awareness. Our bilateral defense relationship currently focuses on deepening interoperability, 
enhancing Sweden's defense capabilities, building regional air and maritime domain awareness, increasing Swedish contributions to multinational operations, and aligning strategic communications. In particular, Sweden has an acknowledged level of competency in domestic crisis resilience and preparedness that distinguishes it as a leader among European nations. The Department of Defense is confident the, ex confident the accession of NATO, Sweden to NATO will have a positive effect on the alliance's military effectiveness based on Sweden's defense capabilities, supportive US and allied actions in multiple theaters and expectation that Sweden will be able to contribute available capabilities to operations. In closing, the Department of Defense assesses that Finland and Sweden are ready for NATO membership. Their accession will provide additional security and stability in Europe. They already have close bilateral defense relationships with the United States, close working relationships and military interoperability with NATO as enhanced opportunity partners, and are thriving democracies that share our values and fit the ideals of the North Atlantic Treaty. Thank you for the opportunity to testify, and I look forward to your questions. Well, thank you both for a very comprehensive testimony. Uh, we have votes going on the floor. It's the chair's intention to just continue through and rotate uh, uh, somebody presiding so we can uh, get through the hearing. So let me start uh, with you, Assistant Secretary Wallander. Some of this you uh, both have referred to, but I want to just detail the record. Is it accurate to say that Finland and Sweden have large technologically advanced militaries and both have long partnered with NATO, contributing to NATO operations, including in the Balkans and Afghanistan, and also understand that both countries either meet or have plans to meet the 2% NATO spending benchmark? Yes, Senator, that is accurate. Since Russia's illegal invasion of Ukraine, popular support for joining NATO in Finland and Sweden and their government's commitments to NATO have grown significantly. Secretary Donfried, can you speak to how attitudes towards joining NATO in Finland and Sweden have changed and where those countries stand today on the subject? Yes, I agree with your analysis that February 24 fundamentally changed the perspective of both Finland and Sweden. We saw Finland very decisively make a decision then to move on NATO membership, and Sweden shortly joined Finland in that membership aspiration. And I think, you know, it's interesting. There's a colleague of mine who works for the European Union who's talked about February 24 as Europe's 9-11. And I think for many Europeans, it was unthinkable before February 24 that Russia would undertake a full-scale, brutal, unprovoked invasion of its neighbor Ukraine. And that action fundamentally shifted security perspectives. So I agree with you, that is how to understand the change in public opinion that we've seen in both countries and the strong support for NATO membership. Thank you. Uh, respect for human rights, commitments to transparency, rule of law, democracy, or values that NATO members share, and which are important to look at in assessing candidates for NATO membership. Assistant Secretary Donfried, can you speak to how Finland and Sweden exemplify those values? I would be happy to do so. And when we're talking about Finland and Sweden, we're talking about two of our closest partners. And one of the fundamental things that unites us is our respect for democracy and human rights. And if you look at Sweden, there are so many examples that we could point to. Uh, one would be Sweden's one-year OSCE chairpersonship in 2021, where they played an important and visible role on so many issues 
Ukraine already at that time, Belarus, the Nagorno-Karabakh conflict, and Transnistria. And Sweden brought to all of these conflicts its deep commitment to global democracy and human rights. We also see gender equality as a fundamental aim of Swedish foreign policy. And we also see Sweden as having been an active contributor to last December's Summit for Democracy, where Sweden co-hosted a side event on women's economic empowerment. I think there's no question that Sweden is deeply committed to advancing democracy, human rights, and the rule of law, and will do so also in its um, upcoming presidency of the European Council of the European Union in 2023. And then if we shift our attention to Finland, Finland too, in all of its foreign policy, has shown a deep commitment to promoting democracy, human rights, and the rule of law. Finland has emphasized the importance of the rules-based international system to collectively resolve the world's most pressing global challenges. Finland, too, has been a leader in international fora, whether it is the number of Finns in the UN system and other key international organizations, whether it is promoting democracy in the OSCE, in the Human Rights Council. And I believe that we will see Finland continue to cooperate strongly with the United States, with the EU, and will bring that sensibility to NATO membership. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Secretary Wallander, Finland has a long history of opposing Russian military advances, and Sweden has a well-equipped fighting force. Could you confirm that enlarging NATO to include Finland and Sweden will reduce the burdens, including defense burden on the United States, rather than increase them? Senator, membership um, in NATO uh, of Sweden and Finland would enhance the capabilities of uh, the NATO alliance in bo on both the ground, air, and sea domain, and in new domains of importance, including uh, the cyber domain and uh, combating Russian malign influence in the area of disinformation. And both countries bring strong economies and strong democratic support for uh, defense spending. So the Department of Defense sees no uh, negatives in the membership of Sweden and Finland on burden sharing or on the capabilities of the alliance. Thank you. Now, Congress has a long and bipartisan track record of support for Baltic security, as well as a more generally robust defense of NATO's eastern flank. How would Sweden and Finland's membership in NATO affect our security posture in the eastern part of the alliance? Well, we've already seen in just the last month uh, the potential of an improved, uh, enhanced capability of uh, NATO from the membership of Sweden and Finland with a participation in the Baltops exercise, which is vital for the ability of the NATO alliance to um, enhance the security in the Baltic region where Russia is active and often irresponsible in its military presence. Um, already, Baltops has uh, benefited from Swedish and Finnish participation uh, as partners, um, but having uh, a higher degree of interoperability and integration from members of the alliance would, would further uh, support those kinds of planning and exercises. Finally, Secretary Donfried, even though we don't yet have texts of accession protocols, all NATO accession protocols are substantively identical and we are well positioned to assess the candidacies of Finland and Sweden even prior to the signature of the protocols. Uh, is it, would you say that that's your understanding as well as it relates to the protocols? Yes, my understanding is that once the accession protocols are signed, 
we would then urge the Senate at its earliest opportunity to provide its advice and consent. Thank you. Uh, I'm strongly supportive of the session and will work uh, both with the ranking member through the committee and on the floor to get this ratified. Senator Rich, and I'm gonna ask Senator Kane to preside so I can go vote, thank you. Uh, thank you, uh, Mr. Chairman. Uh, first of all, I, I think we've had a really good, robust discussion here, and one of the reasons is because we're all ready and we've all been expecting this. And as the chairman just pointed out, you know, I, I uh, wrote a letter, I don't know, two weeks ago, maybe it's three weeks ago now, uh, to both the White House and state, uh, directing your attention to the fact that this was coming down the pike pretty quickly and to start work on it. Can you give us any kind of a time frame you, you talked about as, as early as possible and what have you? How, how quickly can you get that material to us, I guess is a question I would have. So the session protocols, what's happening now is was already mentioned, is there's a conversation happening among Turkey, Finland, and Sweden. And the decision within NATO is a consensus decision and Turkey has raised some concerns relating to terrorism and the approach of Sweden and Finland. Of course, the United States, along with Turkey, shares a desire to end the scourge of terrorism, and we all take this very seriously. My understanding is those conversations are moving apace. They are happening among those three countries, but what we saw this week is that NATO Secretary General Jens Stoltenberg also invited the parties to have a conversation that he mediated. That was on Monday. We understand that was constructive. So we are confident that there will be progress here and that will allow the accession protocols to be signed and the ratification process here to move forward. Are you, um, are you intending to be in Madrid next week? Yes, sir, I am. Okay. Uh, again, I, I come back to time-wise. Uh, we, we all want to work as quickly as possible. Can you give us, let's assume that uh, we get this one wrinkle ironed out next week. Uh, how quickly uh, uh, can we uh, expect to see something here in the Senate? I think uh, to use your term, Ranking Member Rish, once that wrinkle is ironed out, I think it would move immediately. That, that's important. And um, I think you indicated uh, about consensus. I, I, were you, by the word consensus, did you mean unanimously, essentially? Yes. Yeah. yes. Okay, that's, so we have a clear understanding of that. Um, all right. Well, that's, uh, uh, that's clear. And as you've heard from the chairman and I, and uh, we, we're, we're all in on this, and we want this to happen as rapidly as possible. It's, it's something that... Uh, uh, that's that'll be a, a great addition for uh, for NATO for uh, for the North Atlantic and uh, appreciate your work on it. And uh, with that, I'm going to yield back, Mr. Chairman, as we've had a or Mr. Acting Chairman, Mr. Acting <laughs> Chairman. Thank you, Mr. Ranking, um, and to our witnesses and and others. Uh, I, I actually uh, oh excuse me, do we have either uh, anyone on by WebEx right now? All right, that means I am next. Um, I, I want to thank, actually, Chairman Menendez and Ranking Member Risch. Uh, apropos of this discussion, the committee, this, this committee acted in the last couple months on a resolution I have with Senator Rubio to make clear that no president of the United States can withdraw from NATO without uh, congressional approval. The, the Constitution is, is silent about exiting treaties. It's very clear about entering treaties of the two-thirds Senate vote is needed. Um, it's squarely within the jurisdiction of this committee, and the chair and ranking had a markup on this and it passed overwhelmingly in the committee. They gave me permission, a clearance, to try to get it added 
to the annual defense authorizing bill, which we passed out of the SAS committee last week overwhelmingly, but because SASC will not consider matters in the jurisdiction of another committee, even with the agreement of the chair and ranking, I wasn't able to get it added. I was trying to get it added because I thought it would send a really powerful signal about congressional support for NATO on the verge of this next NATO meeting. But we, we can have another opportunity. There's, to send there's other message. ways of doing that. Yeah, we, the Senator well knows. We, we will look for other ways to do it. But I just wanted to thank the, the chair and ranking for being willing to let us try it in the, um, in the armed services bill. We'll look for another way. One of the things that I think is interesting about Sweden and Finland, and we've talked about their respective capacities, economic strength, work together with the United States in the past, is the fact that on these defense matters, they also have a really significant cooperation among them. So you're not just getting you know, two different new allies, you're getting two allies that uh, have significant capacity, but that also do a lot together. And the fact that they would both approach this uh, NATO membership together is also interesting to me. Talk a little bit about the, the, the long-term defense and diplomatic uh, relationship between Sweden and Finland, because I think that actually brings an additional element to the table as we consider uh, NATO accession for the two countries. I'm happy to start, and, and you may want to weigh in as well. So I, I think your observation is on point, and it is striking how closely Finland and Sweden do cooperate in the security and defense area. And interestingly, we saw Finland be the first to announce its intention to seek NATO membership, and then Sweden followed. But if you look at public opinion in Sweden, you saw about a 10 percentage point jump when the Finns announced their commitment to pursuing this. And I think that takes your point of how joined up these two countries are when they think about their own security. And it also relates to how current NATO member states see this. And there was a question earlier about the Balts. And it's interesting because if Finland and Sweden, or when Finland and Sweden join NATO, the Baltic littoral, with the exception of the Russian coast on the Gulf of Finland and Kaliningrad, would be allied territory, which enables NATO to better monitor activity in and plan the defense of the entire vital region. So you've seen the Baltic foreign minister state publicly that they and NATO will benefit from Finland and Sweden's strong mm -hmm. military capabilities. So I think you see that benefit both on the diplomacy side and on the military <coughs> Over to you. Secretary Wallander, do you have sure. anything to Thanks. add to that? Yes. Um, Finland and Sweden uh, bring not only um, common advantages um, as strong potential allies, but have through their um, own complementary um, capabilities uh, worked together, worked in, um, participated in NATO-led or simply multinational exercises in really constructive ways. I'll give you a couple of examples. One is Finland obviously has a very strong territorial defense capability, very important for a country with an over 800-mile border with Russia and an experience of uh, fighting um, the Soviet Union in the 1930s um, and doing so effectively. And Sweden has been has substantial capabilities in the maritime domain and has uh, carefully uh, monitored uh, Russian maritime and air activity over the Baltic. And Sweden also has participated um, in, in bilateral um, programs and cooperation with the United States in the area of special operations forces as well. So the, the, the two um, potential allies, aspirant allies, 
uh, bring similar uh, strengths in their democracies, in their market economies, and their strengths as European countries, and then they each bring their own complementary military capabilities that will further strengthen the NATO alliance. That's excellent. And um, Secretary Donfrey, I want to ask you a question. You said that some of your colleagues in Europe have described this moment, the February 24 attack of Ukraine, as Europe's 9-11. And I, I'm pretty sure I know what you mean by that, but I kind of wanted to dig into it further. You know, people who aren't spending a lot of time in Europe and don't know the European reality might think, oh, but, you know, Finland and Sweden, they're, they're quite a ways away from Ukraine. So why would they have viewed an attack on Ukraine as the equivalent of a 9-11 style attack on Europe? So just dig into that a little bit more. I think I know what you mean, but I think it, it would be important to get this testimony out there. Well, thank you for the question. I will tell you how I heard it, yeah. uh, in fairness to, to the individual who said it. But the way I heard it was just the sense of shock that Russia in 2022 would undertake this full-scale, unprovoked, unjustified, brutal invasion of its neighbor Ukraine. And of course, in the first instance, that has tragic implications for Ukraine. And I think we've all been inspired by the bravery of the Ukrainians mm -hmm. in meeting that challenge and their resilience. But it also fundamentally alters the European security landscape. And so that's how I understood it, mm -hmm. that every country in Europe recalculated its own assessment of its security. And I think Finland and Sweden in so doing, whereas in the past they always believed their security interests were best served by having a NATO partnership, but not being members, mm -hmm. that changed almost overnight. Mm -hmm. So that was how I understood the comment. Thanks. Th thank you very much for that. This is one where um, I, in the, my 10 years here, I've never seen a bigger gulf between the United States and our European allies on our predictions about what was going to happen. We, were share, we, we shared the hopes for what would happen or wouldn't happen, and we were sharing the same set of facts upon which to make a prediction. But I, I agree. I think there was a, a degree, and I can certainly understand it, of wishful thinking is a somewhat derogatory phrase, a deep hope that, of course, Russia is not going to invade. I mean, that's a muscle-flexing exercise. But when it became a reality, which much of U.S. intel was saying it was going to become a reality, I can see that that caused this kind of uh, continent-wide recalibration, as you describe. Um, and I should and, just, I oh, shouldn't please. lump all of Europe together. I want to yeah. be clear. I, I do think there were differences in perception yes. across the European continent, just to be clear. I don't mean to say yep. they were all. I, I hear you. Um, there being no senators on WebEx now, Senator Haggerty, you're up next. Okay. Thank you very much. Um, and to our witnesses here today, Assistant Secretaries Don Fried and Walder, Welcome to you. Thank you for being here to discuss an important topic regarding strengthening the NATO alliance. Um, I'd like to take you back to my service as U.S. Ambassador to Japan. There I spent a tremendous amount of my time and effort uh, in increasing the capabilities of the U.S.-Japan alliance on a military front, trying to ensure that the agility, the interoperability, and the overall military capability was being maximized uh, for our combined forces. Um, I worked very often with then Prime Minister Abe on this topic. I support our current Ambassador Emmanuel as he works with current, um, uh, current Prime Minister Kishida in the same arena. Uh, it's very important. Up front, I'd like to say I support Finland and Sweden's accession to NATO uh, because their addition will be accretive to the overall capabilities of the alliance, uh, and I appreciate that. Uh, but as the United States advances its NATO policy in the 21st century, I believe it's going to be important to get back to the basics. And there, I mean, in the very first instance, 
NATO is a military alliance that needs to focus on deterring military threats with real military capabilities. And if the last year has demonstrated anything, it's that the NATO alliance must stand stronger to better deter Russia's military threat to us and to our allies. So my first question will be to you, Assistant Secretary Wallander. When will Finland and Sweden respectively meet the goals of spending 2% of GDP on defense? And I know that Finland's closer than Sweden, but, but both are on track, as I understand it. But can you give me your sense of when they'll meet their goals? Sure. It's a great question, Senator. And I share your uh, commitment to making sure that NATO allies are contributing to security of the alliance. Finland already in 2022 does meet the, the 2% floor, the Wales pledge. Mm -hmm. Finland's uh, defense spending is at 2.2% of GDP. Um, and Sweden That's projected is, for 2022? This is for 2022. Okay. And Sweden's uh, government has committed to meeting the 2% pledge um, as soon as possible and no later than 2028. And I would note also that Sweden uh, meets the NATO, the, the less cited but no less important uh, NATO standard of spending uh, at least 20% of its defense budget on acquisition mm -hmm. of capabilities. I met with Sweden's ambassador recently, and she told me in very encouraging terms that they were doing everything they could to accelerate their progress toward that goal. So thank you for that. Um, Assistant Secretary Wallander, you also talked with Senator Kane about some of the current uh, capabilities that Finland and Sweden will contribute to the alliance. Can you give me a sense of what you'd like to see them develop for the future? Um, well, in certainly uh, one of the one of the hopes would be um, that both countries would contribute, and I believe will contribute to uh, the battle groups on the eastern flank, the eight uh, eastern front mm -hmm. countries of NATO. Um, Finland and Sweden both have very strong uh, bilateral relations with the Baltic countries in particular. Yes, yes. And they, uh, Sweden and Finland be can become not just strong defense uh, par partners of, or allies of the alliance, but strong contributors as those countries oh. face, face Russian aggression right on their borders. I hope you'll work to guide their acquisition strategies in that direction. And um, I, I look forward to their contributions. I want to sum it up, though, with you, Assistant Secretary Wilder. It's your testimony today, I presume, that from the Defense Department's perspective that adding both Sweden and Finland to the NATO alliance will indeed strengthen NATO's military capabilities and therefore their deterrence capabilities. Yes, Senator, that is the Department thank, of Defense assessment. Thank you very much. I'd like to turn to you, Assistant Secretary Don Fried. I support adding Finland and Sweden to the NATO alliance, as you know, but I also want to ask you about other important things that the United States should be doing to counter and to, frankly, uh, defund Russia's military aggression. The Biden administration's energy policies have perversely helped to fund Putin's war machine in Ukraine. Uh, do, you, do, do you dispute the fact, or the assessment at least, that despite international sanctions, Vladimir Putin's regime has earned nearly $100 billion from energy exports during the first 100 days of Russia's unprovoked and unjustified invasion of Ukraine? Well, Senator Haggerty, thank you for that question. And what I would say is I think it's a complicated equation because what we've seen is that as more Russian oil is going off the market, we're also seeing that Russia has declining, declining oil profits as a result of being forced to sell its oil at steep discounts. And so there's a calculation about what is the discounted price of that Russian oil and then how does that affect the scarcity of supply? Actually, so what's I, happened is there has been a windfall that has come to uh, Russia, do you accept the fact that oil and gas markets are global markets? Yes, they are. Um, and all other things being equal, if the United States were to actually ramp up its oil and gas production, would the increase of energy supplies actually lower the global price of energy? 
an increase in energy supply should reduce it, the threat. It, it, it certainly should. Um, and if you think about Russia's energy exports, they made up half of Russia's budget, more than half of their budget, before the windfall that's come into the marketplace took place. Uh, is that is, is a price increase actually helpful or hurtful to Vladimir Putin? So a price increase is helpful, but if you're having a challenge selling Russian oil because of the sanctions, that is what has forced some price decline on Russian oil in particular. So the reports are that Russia has actually had a massive increase in its revenues from oil sales uh, just in the first five months of mm -hmm. this year. Its oil sales are up close to $100 billion. That's more than enough. In fact, almost one and a half times its annual military budget. Mm -hmm. So in effect, we are inadvertently funding Vladimir Putin's war machine. That's the point that I'm trying to make. And I want to encourage you uh, to please take the message back home that when President Biden decided to wage the war on fossil fuels here in America, it has a global impact. And that global impact not only hurts American consumers here at home, but it also is hurting the brave Ukrainians that are trying to fight right now uh, because they're also a casualty of President Biden's time. The senator has expired. Policy. I just want him to acknowledge I've given him a significant amount of time over the time. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. I hope this will change. Thank you. Uh, senator Cardin. Uh, thank you very much, uh, Mr. Chairman. I, I was watching part of the hearing on WebEx, and of course, we were interrupted by votes. But, but let me first uh, thank our witnesses for their work. Uh, as has been already demonstrated in, in this hearing, there is strong uh, support for NATO expansion in Finland and Sweden. Uh, and we recognize there's a process we go through. And we also recognize, as you've already pointed out, that all NATO members have to agree. And you want to give space for Turkey to be able to have uh, the conversations it needs with the aspirant countries. Uh, we all appreciate that, but we certainly urge that we have to make sure that that's constructive and timely. And we would hope that the, uh, our leadership would help provide that type of accommodation so that those conversations take place, but they do not unnecessarily delay the considerations of, of their entry into, into NATO. Uh, I want to sort of follow up on the impact uh, that this is having on Russia's calculation, Mr. Putin's calculation. He's obviously watching very closely what's happening with, uh, with, with uh, Sweden and Finland. He's also watching what's happening with the European Union and their invitations uh, in regards to Moldova and Ukraine. Um, and can you just tell us uh, how you feel these expansions, whether of EU or of NATO, would affect Mr. Putin's calculations in regards to his aspirations for a greater uh, Russia? Well, let me, let me start um, on the defense and military side. Uh, the accession of Finland and Sweden to NATO would uh, significantly complicate Russian military planning for any kind of military operations against NATO by doubling the length of Russia's uh, front border with uh, NATO allies and by strengthening uh, NATO allied capabilities in the Baltic Sea region and in the Arctic High North. So there is no question that this accession um, of Finland and Sweden uh, is something that is not welcome in, uh, in Moscow as it plans 
uh, for a hostile relationship with NATO. NATO is a defensive alliance, but the Russian military would have to take this into account. And I would simply also note that um, for 20, 20 years, um, Russia has sought to divide the NATO alliance on multiple issues, sought to fracture it in order to paralyze it diplomatically and militarily, and the uh, strength with which uh, the and the public and political strength of the uh, desire to accede to NATO by both Finland and Sweden has further strengthened uh, the alliance and has shown to the Kremlin that its efforts to weaken the alliance have not only failed, but have actually reverber reverberated negatively. And if I could just make two quick comments in response to your question, Senator Cardin. First, in terms of your question about the impact on Russia's calculation, the irony here is that Vladimir Putin said one of the reasons he was engaging in this brutal assault on Ukraine was his concern about NATO getting too close to Russia's borders. Well, what a miscalculation, what a strategic miscalculation. If that was his concern, he now has Finland with an 830-mile border with Russia and Sweden saying they want to join NATO. So that's quite striking. And second point is, of course, we are concerned also about the security of Finland and Sweden in this interval between their application and accession. So we are confident that we and our allies are well positioned to help these two countries address their security needs and any concerns that they might have in this interim period. And President Biden said on May 18 that while their applications for NATO membership are being considered, the United States will work closely with both countries to remain vigilant against any threats to our shared security and to deter and confront aggression or the threat of aggression. As has already been mentioned, we exercise regularly together in the Baltic Sea region, and the U.S. military routinely maintains presence in the vicinity of both countries. So we feel that we're also being vigilant during this interim period. Thank, thank you. Thank, let me just make a, a comment. Uh, we're today concerned about the expansion as relates to Finland and Sweden, but we also need to be concerned that of the focus in the Black Sea. Russia clearly is interested in dominating the Black Sea, and uh, with Ukraine being compromised by the Russian presence, it even makes it more urgent for us to shore up NATO's capacity within the Black Sea. I just mentioned that because I think we need to look at that as the next chapter of our challenges in regards to secure, national security threats. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Thank you. Senator Van Hollen. Uh, thank you, Mr. Chairman. Great to see both of you here. Thank you for your service. And just for the record, uh, President Biden has been calling upon uh, oil refiners in the United States to increase uh, their capacity. In fact, the other day he said he might, he's looking at the Defense Production Act as a potential tool uh, to push that in the right direction. So I am a strong believer that um, having both Sweden and Finland as part of the NATO alliance would be good for the alliance and good for those countries. Uh, they're both democracies. They both believe in the rule of law. We already have strong security partnerships, and uh, they would be great additions, uh, in my view, uh, to the NATO alliance. Um, so my question uh, to you, uh, Assistant Secretary Donfried, we have the Madrid conference coming up. Uh, what is the likelihood that we'll be in a position to uh, offer a formal invitation 
uh, to Sweden and Finland to join the alliance at the upcoming Madrid conference. Well, thank you, Senator Van Hollen, for that question. So what's been happening is that Turkey, which has expressed its concerns about, in particular, Swedish and Finnish stances with regard to the fight against terrorism, has been engaged in conversations with Finland and Sweden to find a resolution to their concerns. And this week, we saw the NATO Secretary General help in mediating that conversation. On Monday, there were meetings among those parties, which we heard were quite constructive. And so we are confident that this will be resolved in a positive way. There is broad and deep support across the NATO alliance for Finnish and Swedish accession. So we are hopeful that we will soon achieve a positive resolution. Well, look, I'm, I'm, I'm hopeful as well, and I'm glad to hear the talks are coming along. Uh, but let, let's be clear on what we mean by Turkey's so-called concerns about Sweden and Finnish uh, positions in the fight against terrorism. Uh, we're specifically talking about uh, President Erdogan's uh, concerns about support for the SDF and elements of the SDF, right? So it is a concern in the first instance about the PKK, which we all recognize as a terrorist organization, and then you're right, it has to do with those PKK-affiliated groups. Right, but, but just to be clear, Sweden already has a law in the books uh, that recognizes or identifies the PKK as a terrorist organization, mm -hmm. correct? Yes. So they're in line with the United States and our, most of our uh, other uh, partners. Um, and isn't it the case that the United States has been a strong partner with the SDF in the fight against ISIS? Yes. Right. So just to be clear, I mean, I, I, we want to work this out, but we should make clear to President Erdogan that they're criticizing Sweden and Finland for taking actions the United States government uh, has taken. Uh, President Erdogan also wants to extradite uh, Gulen. We're a country that recognizes the rule of law. Uh, so are Swinland, Sweden and uh, uh, Finland. And again, um, you know, we've had concerns here about the deployment of Russian, um, you know, S-400s uh, by, by Turkey um, and have taken action in this committee in the Congress. So I am, I, I, I want to, amen, support the ongoing talks, uh, but let's, let's recognize, I think, that the positions that Sweden and Finland have taken um, are pretty much on the same page with the position the United States has taken uh, with respect to the SDF. Uh, and the very important fight against ISIS and terrorism. So Sweden and Finland have been, in my view, um, on the right side in that, in that fight against uh, ISIS. So can you just lay out what you see as the timeline? Um, again, uh, whether, you're, whether you believe that we'll be successful at getting everybody on the same page, including Turkey, by the time the Mid Madrid conference comes around. So I will say that we certainly are pushing for that. All right. Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to end there. I, I, again, I think we all recognize what the challenge is here. Uh, we want to make sure these are constructive talks. Uh, Sweden and Finland have already taken measures in response to Turkey's concern. Isn't that correct? That is correct. Okay. Finland and Sweden have been engaging very constructively in these talks, and they've been forward-leaning in terms of being responsive to the concerns raised. Right. I mean, Sweden, as I understand it, ended their arms embargo against Turkey. Is that right? That is correct. Got it. Um, all right. Well, thank, thank you both. Um, I think we'd all like to see, um, for the good of uh, the alliance, 
and make sure we send a strong signal to, to Putin uh, that what he's doing is, un, is, is you know, uh, an attack on, on democracy, on the rule of law. And I, I would hate to see this moment, which you described, would underscore the fact that uh, Putin's invasion of Ukraine is a strategic failure because it actually encouraged um, Sweden and Finland to join this defensive alliance. I would hate to see that uh, moment squandered uh, because of an inability to address the issues that we're talking about today. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Thank you. Uh, let me uh, just echo Senator Van Hollen's uh, bit of frustration um, about the comments we make about uh, Turkey, Sweden, and Finland as it relates to urging them to work together. You know, um, as Secretary Downford, you know, I had the opportunity to speak to the Chiefs of Missions this morning, uh, all of our ambassadors around the world and several others. I know you were there. Uh, you know, I, I'm not constrained by the constraints maybe you all feel you have at the State Department. I believe you call out whoever is wrong on something. And if there are multiple parties that are wrong, then you call out multiple parties. But as Secretary Van Hollen has said, I'm Secretary, well, there's, there's a possibility in the future. Uh, as uh, Senator Van Hollen has said, the reality is, is that Finland and Sweden are, are aligned with our own policies as it relates to the PPK and the SDF. And, uh, you know, uh, and our fight against ISIS. So, it's, it's, it's a little disingenuous uh, to suggest we urge all parties to work together. Of course, it would be great for them all to work together and come to a conclusion. I don't know what Turkey's trying to extract from them, uh, but at the end of the day, that's what this is about. And maybe if we get in the game, they want to extract from us too, which I will be vehemently opposed to. We don't need it for any extraction to take place or any concessions to take place to have two great democracies uh, join NATO. So. But having said that, I just think for the record, it's, uh, it's one of the things that for 30 years of doing foreign policy irks me about the State Department, regardless of which administration is in, that we call upon all parties to do something when not all parties are responsible at the end of the day for the conflict that we have or the issue that we have or the problem that we have. So uh, I've extended a time here to, uh, I know there's some members who had an interest, uh, but uh, there is no member presently before me, either in, on uh, virtually or in the committee. Uh, so with the thanks of the committee for uh, your participation uh, and for your insights, uh, this record will remain open till the close of business tomorrow, and this hearing is adjourned.